I'm back. Yes! If you're like me, you know how to be a fan of this podcast of Pokemon Tell me who is it nowadays in this day and age. Amazing. Let's just check real quick and see if we have an audience of any kind, and, and we could just take suggestions from the audience. Okay. Uh... Any a, anybody currently listening who wants to hear about my 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 career in whatever. I, I don't know how long we should let this go. <laughs> yeah. Let, let's, let's just let's just move on. Let's just move on. Look, I'm a big I'm a fan of history. I'm a big I'm a big lover of history. I love it, but I'm also a storyteller. So what I like to do with this juncture is I like to get a story from a history book. Maybe one of the people don't know very well and reword it by my own unique storytelling style. So that's what this is. And our educationally uneducational installment of Steve's Historical Approximation! Or Shaft, as I like to call him repeatedly, annoyingly, whether anyone wants me to or not, personally. I like the name Shap. It's short, but it's full of energy. It's the Lucha Libre of podcast segment. I saw a wonderful video on Twitter this week of luchadors from Mexico City that are uh, spending uh, their free time walking up and down the biggest uh, shopping center, the biggest bazaar, the biggest uh, uh, shopping district of Mexico City enforcing mask mandates. These popular Mexican wrestlers walking up and down like the big shopping center, and if they see someone without a mask, don't grab them, and they'll lift them, and they'll force a mask on them. <laughs> Is such a great idea, and there's videos of all of these luchadors just going, you know, down the shopping district, just grabbing these men and forcing masks on them. And it's just, uh, this is exactly like we need you, Undertaker. Yes, yes. Like, I, I, I would give good money for the Undertaker to be just walking the Mall of America. You can even dress up, you can even dress up as your lame biker. You yeah. Know, just, just suddenly the Undertaker is there going, I noticed you're not wearing a mask. You know? Yeah. Great idea. Wonderful idea. Uh, anywho, today on the old Shappity Shap Shap, we will finally be discussing two epic words Cow Tools! Yes, Cow Tools! 
One very strange event in the history of cartooning, but before we get to the cartoon itself, uh, this might be, this might not be the longest chap in the world, but it might be the strangest, one of the strangest. So here's a little bit of backstory. Gary Larson was born in 1950 to a modest family in suburban Tacoma, Washington. His mother was a secretary, and his father smelt of elderberries. Uh, his dad sold used cars. So he, he did okay in school, and he graduated from Washington State University with a degree in communications. After graduating uh, college, he was a music lover and a part-time uh, jazz guitarist. He got himself a job at a music store, uh, and one day a light bulb goes over his head, and he's, he's just there, and he's like, okay, I'm working, and I'm tagging stuff, and I'm doing stuff, and uh, wait a second, I fucking hate this job. So he quits, and he's reevaluating his entire life. He's like, huh, what should I do with my life? What should I do? Well, I kind of always like drawing. So he starts to focus on that, and in 1976, he starts submitting his drawings to local newspapers in Washington, and in 1979, the Seattle Times starts publishing his comics under the title Nature's Way, I guess because he draws a lot of cows or whatever. So a bit of time passes, now he's a cartoonist, he's doing cartoons in the Seattle Times, but, he, but he's thinking like, huh? I'm making an okay amount of money with the Seattle Times, but like I could be making more in like a bigger paper. So he's on vacation in San Francisco, and while he's there, he decides to take a visit to the San Francisco Chronicle, some of his cartoons in tow, and surprisingly, the San Francisco Chronicle loves it, they buy the comic strip and syndicate it and rename his comic strip The Far Side. Now, fun fact, the syndicator of the comic strip names the comic. I never knew that. So Charles Schulz always hated that, like, his comic strip was called Peanuts. That always okay. And I love the idea of the creator of Charlie Brown and Snoopy being like... Yeah, they named my cartoon fucking Peanuts. What fucking bullshit is that? Fuck those. <laughs> fucking assholes named my cartoon Peanuts. There aren't, there, aren't, there aren't any Peanuts in my comic strip, you jackasses. <laughs> okay. Okay, now wait. Now, this probably has a nut allergy. Now, wait. Okay. Hold that thought a second. Okay. Because now, if I could do... I hate to interrupt the chap with this, but if I could do voice cloning, we could get, like, Joe Pesci and maybe, like, Robert De Niro, and I could do a quick retrace of Charlie Brown and Linus or Snoopy or whoever and get their mouths to move. Instant fucking bit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well the, the first comic strip was... was Hi, what's, what's your name? I'm Linus, what's, what's your name? I'm Charlie Brown, and I pee from my nuts. <laughs> That's where the name came from. Peanuts. Oh, yep. perfect. 
But that's the cool thing about Gary Larson, because Gary Larson's like, all right, I made my cartoon with Farsa, I don't give a shit. They could have named Adolf Hitler's butt surprise. I don't care. Can name it whatever the hell they want. You know how much they me? I'm good. Yeah. They can name this shit whatever they want. So, I like the fact that, you know, Gary Larson, DJF, you can call it whatever you want. Another fun fact that I'd like to say, um, Charles Schultz, it's not Schultz. Yeah. You want to say Charles Schultz. You do. But it's not Charles Schultz, it's Schultz, just like the beginning of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood.
so much later after the, the comic strip and he tracks down Jane Goodall and Jane Goodall's like, oh, that? Oh, yeah, no, I was in, like, the freaking jungle when that happened. That was my institute. No, I thought it was funny. Yeah. So, like, the third collection of Farside comic strips as a whole were written by Jane Goodall. <laughs> nice! And so, so Gary, Gary Larson, Larson made that into a shirt, and like all of the proceeds went. And so I think still do go directly to the Jane Goodall Institute. So like, nice. that's awesome. But I, what I want to talk about is probably one of the most controversial comics that Gary Larson ever released, known as Cowpools. Okay, Bunny. Now that's your cue. <laughs> Tools. I just gave you a subtle cue. This could Did be you put it? Did you put it up? Are you putting it up? It is up. Good, good, good. Okay. It's been up. Okay. It's been up and down. <laughs> so, the year is 1982. And oh, so many things happened in the year 1982. Let me tell you about them. Well, uh, a little movie you might have heard of called E.T. is released and introduces the world to the magical, marvelous universe of product placement. <laughs> yes. In political news, activist Joan Jett bravely announced her toward love of rock and roll. <laughs> and, and uh, hey, fun fact, to this day there are still people out there, and like uh, intellectuals and politicians, and they're like, well, you know, when we're debating this important piece of legislation, let's not forget the famous quote from a philosopher which states, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. Degrees and none could understand it. End quote. 
Nice. Newspapers all over the nations receive phone calls and letters. And the syndicators themselves in San Francisco were so inundated with angry and confused people that the general manager of the syndication company said, quote, the phone never stopped ringing for days. Pools, <laughs> buddy. <laughs> A comic so astoundingly confusing that it made national headlines. Really? No cat, no cat. Do not turn off the podcast. I'm being loud. That doesn't mean you need to step in, okay? I can just be loud sometimes, cat. All right? Jesus Louise. Okay, okay, so, so here's, here's an article from the Spokane, Washington newspaper, the Spokesman Review, and it ran Friday, October 9, 1982. Far Side Sparks Cow Controversy. <laughs> the Far Side went a little too far for many of its fans on Thursday, and the comic strip's creator admitted that his, quote, exercise in silliness was an experiment that failed. The cartoon, which depicted a cow standing over a collection of very recognizable cow tools, with finger quotes, provoked a deluge of calls to newspaper editors across the country, said Stuart Dodds, general manager of Chronicle Features in San Francisco. Quote, I think the joke simply didn't work, Dodds said. A lot of people didn't get it, and in not getting it, they were casting around for very... Far-fetched explanations. This one vague Farside cartoon sparked such an uproar that no one had seen, well, at least not since the surprisingly pornographic 1979 Ziggy controversy, which I think we all remember. Oh, God, yes. I lost yeah. a brother in that one. Yeah. Cow Tools was so controversial that uh, Gary Larson had to release a statement <laughs> regarding Cow Tools. And I'm not going to read the statement because the statement doesn't matter. What matters is, when was the last time you ever heard of like a comic strip maker having to release a statement to explain the joke? <laughs> You know, I love cow tools. Uh, it is amazing. I, I love it too. Because first off, I don't get it either. I don't yeah. get it. And there is a certain amount of genius involved in making an image that is so far gone that nobody understands it. Yeah. Okay, so, so, so not that I necessarily think it was deep, but it, but like I, artistically, I don't think it's accidental. It's yeah. the mailman, and he nailed it. <laughs> you know, I mean, just artistically, he fucking nailed it. He wanted to do a comic strip, uh, a comic that didn't mean anything. Yeah. And he did because because very little of it makes sense. Yeah. I don't even know what the two things. I'm I'm sorry, baby. What? No, that's okay. Go ahead. I'm talking to myself. 
I, I, I don't know what the two things on, directly under the cow even are. <laughs> yeah, so he had to come out and make a statement about it. His statement is, uh, this cartoon was intended to be an exercise in silliness. While I have never met a cow who could make tools, I, which is always a great way to start a statement to the press. Yeah. Uh, well, I have never the closest I can get, okay, here is my theory. I have developed a theory as to what this picture means, okay? Okay. There's a barn in the background. I mean, what else are you going to fucking put back there? What are you going to do? Put this cow in SeaWorld? I may have, but even still. And the cow is apparently very angry. And I think he's angry because he has realized that our crumb is horribly racist. So he took a yeah. saw and he cut up what the fuck was that our crumb character's name? Mr. Natural? Mr. Natural. Mr. Natural. Who who I could see at some point having a shepherd crook shepherd's crook in his hand. And he cut him up. And that's that's kind of... Well, that's Gary Larson's interpretation of Mr. Natural's face. Okay. Okay. I think the other one is Mr. Natural's testicle. Not sure. So, so here's his statement. While I have never met a cow who could make tools, I felt sure that if I did, they, the tools... Would, would lack something in sophistication and resemble a sorry specimen shown in this cartoon. I regret that my fondness for cows, combined with an overactive imagination, may have carried me beyond what is comprehensible to the average far side reader. <laughs> and, like, the only joke is that if a cow made tools, they'd be pretty shitty. Because he's a cow! <laughs> and that's the only joke! <coughs> and it confused people so much that it made headlines all yeah. across America as people were trying to figure out what the hell cow tools was. <laughs> Three or four days of America still trying to figure out, like, oh, we're entering day three of cow tool gate. <laughs> Breaking news! Breaking news! We are now going live to Gary Larson's house, where he will be making a statement regarding cow tools. Well, but we're doing the same thing right now, aren't we? Like the exact same thing. And it's and the way I feel about both of them is like, you know, glad we got all the rest of the problems figured out, so we can be arguing over this shit. Yeah. You know, I'm really glad that everybody has a $15 minimum wage, you know? I'm really glad that the kids are finally out of the cages and reunited with their families. Healthcare was awesome, and now we have time to argue over this, or Mr. Potato Head, or Dr. Seuss, or Lola Bunny's tits, or... There was a part of me that was like, hey, I'm not entirely sure if uh, Biden is going to send us to the $2,000 checks, he promised. But thank goodness he was good on his word. 
Yeah. Yeah, and, and like, I, I, I have a hard time feeling like it's time to set up, send rockets up into the air in celebration and admiration for a, a president who was doing vaguely what he promised. It's so amazing the double standard in America that like one half of America can can with a straight face say so the president incited a riot that caused numerous people to die that caused the cops to die that's not a big deal let's talk about the real issue the president's dog may have bit someone yeah mm-hmm. Oh my goodness! Front page news! Someone! Let's focus on this and not the whole one political party trying to make sure minorities don't vote. No! It's Dog Gate! Yes. Yeah. Amazing. Alright. Cow tools! Cow tools! Yeah. That's my new catchphrase for when things don't make sense. Politics? Cow tools! I, I, I like it. It's all cow tools! That's my new... That's my new nothing makes sense catchphrase. Just hang with it. It's cow tools! So that's... Uh, that's a chapter this week. Next week we will be talking about Henry's uh, favorite top Canadian wolves. <laughs> okay. It's our topic for next week. I imagine Canadian wolves are like, ooh, eh?